Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Well, you may or may not have seen the movie Talladega Nights, uh, starring Will Ferrell. Uh, it's a relatively funny, if not occasionally crass, movie about a race car driver who uh, is extremely self-indulgent. Uh, and at one point in this movie, he and his family have gathered for dinner and they say grace. And it's quite an amusing little scene because in it, uh, the driver, Will Ferrell, prays to the little baby Jesus. Dear sweet baby Jesus, he says, please help me do this. Uh, And at at some point in this long prayer to the little baby Jesus, his wife says, you do realise Jesus grew up, don't you? Uh, To which uh, the Will Ferrell character responds, yes, I know, but I like the baby Jesus best, and so I'm going to pray to the baby Jesus. And then his friend goes on to talk about how he likes to imagine Jesus in a certain other way, and that's how he likes to pray to Jesus. We live in a world, don't we, where I think people love to consider Jesus in their own way. They like to uh, put their own meanings onto Jesus uh, or, or how they want him to be, what they want him to be like. How we think of Jesus matters. Because, of course, Jesus doesn't just stay a baby. In fact, the Jesus that we're praying through when we pray to God is the resurrected and ascended King, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding on our behalf, not the little baby cooing and carring in a manger. And as we reflect today on the hymn Away in a Manger, uh, I think there's a danger uh, for us uh, in this hymn. And I think it's, it's a danger that is the reason why so many people who perhaps hardly ever darken the door of a church love this carol. And it's because there's a, there's a danger that this hymn leaves Jesus in the manger, that it has us being like that Will Ferrell character, praying prayers to the little baby Jesus and forgetting about his life's work his death on the cross, his rising to new life and his ascension into glory. That's part, uh, this carol doesn't leave us there if we think carefully about it, but it has a, a danger that it could. It reminds us of many other good things, though, about Jesus, and so let us reflect on it together. Uh, The hymn has a complex history. It was originally called Luther's Cradle Hymn, as people had thought that the great reformer of the church, Martin Luther, uh, in Germany had written this carol for his children. Uh, However, there is basically no evidence for that. And uh, what people now think is that it was written by someone in the United States in the mid to late 1800s. And it's, in fact, first historical appearance is in an 1885 children's songbook. The carol also has a lot of different versions. There are lots of little changes all throughout the carol where it says slightly different things. So one example is uh, at the end of verse 2, 
we sang Stay By My Side Until Morning Is Nigh, uh, but many versions read Stay By My Cradle Till Morning Is Nigh. And that's just one of many examples throughout uh, the carol where there are slight little variations on the hymn. And so if you ever uh, want to sing the song, you need to make sure you've all agreed together on what version it is that you're going to sing. The song also has a history of, of two major tunes, uh, and you probably would know them both. There's the one that we sang today that's in our hymn book, the William Kirkpatrick tune, uh, and he originally wrote that tune to go with the, the lyrics so that he could do some work in schools in the very late 1800s. So essentially he was using the carol and this tune to go around in, in schools and teach kids about Jesus. Uh, and the other tune was, is known as the Muller tune, and that was penned by a man called James Murray. And you may know that tune. Uh, it's the one that starts up high. So, you, you know, when you hear the other tune to a way in major, that's the other tune. Uh, so uh, there you go. You now know something of the history of, of the carol. But how does it help us to reflect on Jesus? Well, we'll take each verse and think a little more deeply about them. Verse 1. It's a verse that reminds us of the Christmas story. It reminds us of the humble birth of Jesus the King. I'll read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. That's what that first verse, away in a manger, no crib for a bed, is reminding us about the humble nature of Jesus' birth and it brings alive doesn't it the humility of what Jesus did it brings to life for us the upside down nature of God's kingdom you may remember when uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge I'm pretty sure that's where they're from Prince William is that what he is is he came are they came Duke and Duchess of Cambridge I think so yes uh, you may remember when they had their first baby, little Prince George, back in 2013, uh, or their subsequent children, or Princess Mary, uh, Tasmania's very own royal. Uh, you may remember when she had her four children in 2005, 2007, and finishing with twins in 2011. And the reason you might remember is because they were born in great fanfare. So I can remember very vividly a, a, a picture of Prince William putting little Prince George into the car seat himself uh, as a kind of modern day father uh, and thinking to myself, oh, I wonder if I'll do that uh, someday. And I did put my, I have put my child in the car seat on several occasions, it's fair to say. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, both births of uh, Prince George and his uh, siblings or Princess Mary and her children, uh, they were well noted in the world. They, were, they received mind-numbing media coverage 
because when a royal is born, it is a big deal. And I can guarantee you that Mary and Kate both had the best medical care their countries could provide for them because they're important and their babies are important. Of course, Jesus is infinitely more important than these people and their children. He's the king of the world. And yet, here he is, born and laid in a manger with no one paying too much attention. God does not do things according to our logic. He's got a better, wiser, more beautiful way that is upside down from the way we think of things. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In God's wisdom, this upside-down, humble birth of the king of the world shows us that, in fact, God is not interested in our human way of thinking. Rather, he cares deeply about all people, regardless of how the world values them, and that his birth is one for everyone, the rich and powerful, but also the poor, mean and lonely. Jesus has come to save people from all works of life. That's what his humble birth reminds us of. Well, Jesus is both God and man, is what we read about or sing about in the next verse, in verse 2. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, here we have what is potentially a, a, a heretical carol. Because if you're a mother or a father in the room, you might remember your human baby that you had many years ago, or only a few in my case. And you might remember that it cried just once or twice. That, it, that, that your child got hungry once or twice. Uh, that uh, he or she got wind once or twice uh, or um, just generally was upset for some reason uh, or wanted to talk to you and did it in crying because that's the language of a human baby. But here in this carol, we have this kind of implied idea that somehow Jesus didn't cry. Now, it could be on its best reading that simply what this carol is saying is that there were some mooing cows on this particular night. Jesus woke up and he didn't cry this one time. Um, that could be what the carol is saying, but it seems to be more likely, it's, to me, it, it, it's more, it's, we are more likely to read it as saying that somehow Jesus was a special kind of baby because he was God or something, so he didn't really cry like every other baby does. But of course, if that's what it is saying, if that's how we understand it, if that's how we think of Jesus, then that's problematic because it denies the full humanity of Christ. And that is a heresy called docetism, D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. And that's a heresy that existed uh, at Jesus, in Jesus' time and shortly after, uh, where people rejected the idea that Jesus was really a human being. The word docetism comes from Greek words and it means to appear. And so this 
This wrong view was that Jesus simply appeared to be human, but he wasn't actually human. And so, of course, if that's the case, then it rejects the idea that Jesus could experience truly what it is to be human, that he would experience real pain, that he would experience the real need to to eat and to drink, uh, that he would experience the ups and downs of life that we all experience. Uh, a worldview that sees Jesus as merely appearing to be human, not actually being human in its fullest extent, also undermines his ability to die in our place and to rise again. Jesus was truly human. He was like us in our humanity in every way bar one, in that he lived in full obedience to God. And that means, I am certain, he cried when he was a hungry baby. And I'll tell you that even good babies like my daughter cry when they're hungry. Or when they don't get what they want. And so I'm sure Jesus did too. So, when you next sing this carol and we get to verse 2... You can feel the, the theological tension in your mind rise as you think, oopsie daisies, I'm about to sing some heresy here. And then you can say, it's okay, because actually I love you, Lord Jesus, uh, and I know that you have ascended into heaven, having completed your work as a man for me, and you will look down on me and look after me, which is how the verse ends. So you can feel the tension rise and have it resolved by declaring your love. That's how we're going to deal with verse 2 from here on forward. Let me read to you uh, from Hebrews uh, something of the wonderful ministry that Jesus now has for us as he looks down on us. Hebrews chapter 4. We have a great high priest, Jesus, who has ascended into heaven. Let us hold firmly then to the faith we prefer we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need the Jesus whom we worship was fully human and it is precisely because of that that he was able to save us but it's precisely because of that also that when we're tempted when we're struggling when we need help we can go to him because he gets it he gives us the grace and mercy we need because he knows how tough it is jesus will help us because he gets it he's lived it he knows what it is to struggle in this world, to be obedient to Christ, uh, to be obedient to God. Of course, this ongoing love and care for us is what the final verse of the carol reflects on. Verse 3, Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever, and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Uh, It reminds us, of the truth we read in James's letter in chapter 4 verse 8 where James writes come near to God and he will come near to you how do we do that how do we come near to God well we do it uh, in prayer and that's what we're doing in the third verse of this carol where we're, we're coming to God in, 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 in tuneful prayer and asking him to come near to us
And the promise of scripture is that God comes near to us when we go near to him. And I can tell you, not only is that the promise of scripture, but it bears true in my life. There have been multiple times where I've experienced God draw near to me as I've drawn near to him. Where in my leadership and ministry, I felt out of depth, out of my depth or scared about how I'm going to do something. And so I'm forced to go to God and ask for his help. And in that moment, I feel his, his peace or he gives me the strength or the thing goes well when it shouldn't have. God draws near to me as I draw near to him. Or I can think of a few times where I've been in a situation where I've been actually scared. Scared uh, for my safety. And where I've drawn near to God in prayer. And uh, even though the situation hasn't changed, uh, I've had a, a deep spiritual peace. Or where I've been wrestling with sin and temptation and God has given me strength to resist as I've drawn near to him and said, I'm struggling with this. God comes near to us as we draw near to him. And when it happens, it's a great blessing indeed, as I'm sure each of you can testify to as well. It is wonderful to know that we are God's children and he cares for us. And in the drawing near to God that each of us does, it reminds us, doesn't it, that we're on a journey with God. And that's what that last line of the carol is about. Fit us for heaven to live with you there. Paul says this in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the de- from the dead. And so I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. These are verses about that last line, or, or from which that last line gets its, uh, its theological uh, clarity. That as Christians, we need God to help transform us to be more like him. That's what's happening when we draw near to God, when we spend time with Jesus. The Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, is the start of Jesus' story. It's the start of a story that goes on. And so... We need to make sure as we sing this carol that we too focus on the fact that we're on a journey. That God ultimately is transforming us to become more like Jesus. And that one day we'll spend eternity with him. So as we sing this carol and reflect on its words. May the humble birth of Jesus, God in the flesh, cause you to see God's deep love for you. May you spend every day from now until eternity spending more and more of your life experiencing the love of Jesus. For that is ultimately what this carol invites us to do. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. 
God bless.